0: If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy.
1: Try to picture this scene with me. Um, You are in the middle of the desert, the wilderness. Uh, You're all alone, and it is the worst day of your entire life. Uh, You and your whole family have been on the run for your lives. You've been fleeing for the past few days through the wilderness. And you've been on the run because a very wealthy man who happens to be a relative as well, is trying to chase you down to kill you. And uh, you were able to talk him off the ledge. He's going to spare your life for now. Only to hear that an old grudge from decades ago resurfaced and now another person that wants you dead is heading your way with 400 armed men. And you've hidden your family in a patch of woods nearby. And now you're, you're sitting, you're all alone. You're in the wilderness and you're not sure what to do next. You're desperate you're tired and you're out of options, and then God shows up and he meets you face to face and he puts you in a headlock. This is not a scene from a new Marvel movie. These are the events of Genesis chapter 32. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Um, This is what happened at a portion in the life of Jacob. So how in the world did his life get to this point? How do you have not one but two people wanting to kill you And what do you do when the God of the universe puts you in a full Nelson? Well, um, allow me to tell you the story of what we can learn um, from the life of Jacob and what I consider the most Jerry Springer-esque portion of all of scriptures. Um, If you don't know who Jacob was, um, we talked about Abraham a few weeks ago. Um, Abraham was the guy that God came to and said he's going to bless and all the nations of the world are going to be blessed through him. He's going to give him lots of those kids. Well, one of those children of the blessing that he had was Isaac. We read about that. Now Isaac grows up, marries a girl named Rebecca, and they get pregnant. She gets pregnant with twins, and those twin boys are Jacob and Esau. And even the way that Jacob is born is crazy. Uh, When Rebecca's pregnant, these two boys start kicking in her womb, but not like the ordinary kicking. Like it's like an MMA match going on inside. She's like, is that Joe Rogan commentating? And so... She goes to a prophet to figure out what's going on. That's what they used to do back then. Don't come to me for prenatal advice. I can't help you out. Um, and the prophet says, Well, this is the, the reason they're kicking so much is because they're struggling, they're fighting. And she's like, Duh, that's why I'm here. Uh, but why are they doing it? And so the prophet says, Well, it's a sign. It's a sign, and what God's telling me is that it's a symbol that the younger will um, get the blessing that God promised to Abraham. The older son will actually serve the younger, which was really crazy back in those days because the firstborn always got the blessing. But see, Jacob doesn't know this. He doesn't know that the blessing is already his, so he comes out fighting for it. Uh, On the day that they're born, Esau is born first, so he's the oldest, but as he comes out, they realize that Jacob's hand is holding on to his heel, trying to pull him back inside so that he can be born first. And that's actually what Jacob's name means. It means heel grabber. It means struggler. It means supplanter. It means one who grasps, one who seizes, one who schemes. And what we're going to see is, is that that really sums up what Jacob's whole life is. Uh, From the moment he's born, he is a man on a mission. He is on a desperate mission and a search for a blessing, and he is willing to do anything and become any type of person in order to get that blessing. Now, what he considers the blessing changes over time, but Jacob really is, in a word, us. He's you and I. He's a picture of what our lives often look like. I mean, a lot of us um, listening right now would have to look back at our lives and be like, yeah, it's been years of struggle. A lot of our lives have been just this big struggle to, to grasp onto something that we think will finally satisfy us. Our whole lives have been an attempt to fill that hole that we have deep down inside. And for a lot of us, that something changes as we go throughout life. For some of us, that something is money. And so we do all this sort of stuff um, to pursue and be perfect at our career, to make a lot of money. Uh, for some people, it's the attention or it's the admiration of other people. For some people, it's the desperate search for true love. Uh, for some people, it's a, it's a perfect family or it's their physical health um, or it's fame. And I think we can all admit that we, we can be willing to do some pretty crazy stuff. In order to get what we think might might fully satisfy us, see whatever you think that thing is. Having that something constitutes a blessed life, and it's the quest for the blessing that drives us. But a lot of people, if they were honest, no matter how old they are, they'd have to admit: I thought this thing would fully satisfy me, and it just fell short. They they they, they're empty-handed. They haven't been able to grasp on, to hold on to true fulfillment yet. And it just feels like that search is never going to end. Well, that's Jacob's story as we'll see. Um, the boys grow up, and they couldn't be more different. If you know the story, Esau is like a man's man. He's a man of the field. Um, he hangs out outside. He takes care of animals. Uh, Jacob is not. He stays at home doing chores. He hangs out with his mom. And this is where pastors usually make a whole lot of jokes. I'm not going to. I think they go, they take it too far. The point is, is that there's, there's a tension that begins to grow between Jacob and Esau. Because Isaac, their father, makes it very, very clear that Jacob, uh, Esau is his favorite. So Jacob, he doesn't really care for. it, But Esau, Esau he loves. Esau he's proud of. Well, Isaac starts to get well advanced in his age. The boys are now adults and his age starts to catch up with them. And uh, he's thinking, man, maybe tomorrow will be my last day. So he calls Esau into a secret meeting and said, hey, I might die tomorrow, so for my final meal, I want you to go catch some wild game, whip up that amazing dish that you do for me on my birthdays, and I'm gonna eat it, and afterwards, I'm gonna formally give you the blessing. I'm gonna give you the inheritance that the firstborn desires. Well, Rebecca overhears this conversation and she runs to Jacob, which is weird because she's the only one that knows that Jacob's got the blessing. It doesn't matter what Isaac does. But she says, hey, I just overheard your dad talking to your brother. He says that he's going to get the blessing. We have to come up with a plan. So they do. Um, Rebecca goes and gets some, um, some goats and uh, cooks them up all nice. And then she takes the skin of the goats and she covers Jacob in those skins so he can feel hairy like his brother. I don't know if he like shaves his arms or something. I don't know. But then she gets one of like Esau's old tracksuits, like his favorite tracksuit. that haven't been washed in forever. It's nice and musty. And so she dresses Jacob in that as well. And then she sends him in with the food to go to his father. And it says this. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said. Yes, my son Isaac answered, who are you, Esau or Jacob? And Jacob replied, it's Esau, it's your firstborn son. So he's pretending to be someone he's not. You ever done that? Like a job interview or in a relationship or to be friends with a certain group of people? Yeah, we've done that. He says, I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. And Isaac asked, well, how did you find it so quickly, my son? He says, the Lord, your God, put it in my path. Notice he doesn't say our God or my God. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. He said, the voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's. And one commentator says that in this moment, Jacob finally gets the look from his father that he's been after his whole life. A look of love, a look of approval, the way that Isaac looked at Esau, but never at him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced and he blessed his son. He said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. And he gives him the formal blessing after he eats. And so Jacob's con works. He schemes his father out of the blessing that was reserved for Esau, but it didn't make him feel the way that he thought it would. It was hollow. Jacob kind of feels like an imposter because he knows that it wasn't him that Isaac really loved, and so he felt fake, and we've been there. Um, that, the deep need that we all have is not just to be loved. It's to be known and loved, to be loved for who we are, not for who we pretend to be, and that's why so few of us have ever experienced real love. It's because we think if someone knew everything about us and they would reject us, And so we hide that part of us and pretend to be someone else in order to get that love. And then we're shocked to not feel amazing when we finally receive it. It's because it's it's not true love. And not only does he feel hollow, but he also feels afraid. In this one act, he ruins all the relationships in his life. Um, Esau finds out what Jacob did a few moments after this happens, and he runs out to plot how he can murder his brother. He doesn't speak to his dad again for another 20 years. And after this moment, he never sees his mom again. But that's what often happens on the quest for a blessing, especially if you're looking for that blessing through someone else. So you can't really love someone that you need, that you rely on for that blessing. All you can do is kind of use them and eventually discard them. And all of this happened, remember, because Jacob was trying to scheme his way into a blessing. Listen, that God already says was freely his. So after this, Jacob hears that Esau has plotting to kill him, and so he has to run for his life, and so he goes to the only other place he knows, which is Padan Aram. It's where his. Uh, his uncles and nieces and nephews live, back to where like his family's from. And so he makes the trek back through the wilderness down south. It's the same trek that Abraham made decades ago. And the Bible points out that this is the first low point in Jacob's life. Uh, he's in the wilderness. He's all alone. It's dark. He only has a, uh, a stone for a pillow. And so he's laying there in the middle of the desert. He goes to sleep. And this is where God shows up to him the first time. He gives him a dream. Remember Jacob's ladder or stairway to heaven? Can't explain all that. That's a whole nother sermon. Uh, um, but when Jacob wakes up, he doesn't really think much about God. Still not his God. In fact, he starts making other plans. He said, all right, the, the getting the blessing thing from my father or distinguishing myself from my brother, that fell through. Where else can I, where can I feel uh, satisfaction or contentment? And so the next place he chooses to look is in love. It's in Romance. Uh, When he arrives at Padanaram, Aram, um, he's thirsty, so he goes to the local well to fill his water bottle. And as he's walking up to the well out of the corner of his eye, he sees the most gorgeous, beautiful, attractive female he's ever seen. Now, he's been living at home with just his mom, so that's not saying a whole lot. But he is swept off of his feet. The Bible says he actually cries. And uh, he kind of waltzes up to this girl, and the Bible includes this detail that he like single-handedly pushes the top off the well. This big heavy boulder kind of flexing his guns, and he's like, hey, you come here often? What's your name? And she says, Rachel, and he's like, Rachel, that's a pretty, Jacob and Rachel. Rachel and Jacob's got a ring to it. And so they talk, and they flirt, and eventually he's like trying to figure out what family she's from, and uh, he's like, hey, what's your dad's name? And she's like, well, my dad's name's Laban. And Jacob's like, get out of town, Laban, Laban. And Rachel's like, yeah, you know my dad? And Jacob's like, him? he's my uncle. So that makes Jacob and Rachel what? First cousins. Now you would think that would be the end of any romantic ideals that he had about her, but this is the Old Testament baby, not only, (laughs) Is this not a dead end? This is actually an added bonus. This makes her way hotter. This sweetens the deal. So he said, hey baby, let's go see how Uncle Laban's doing. So he goes and uh, he starts to crash on their couch and he starts working for Laban. And uh, after a few weeks, Laban's like, hey, I can't just let you work for free. Like, what can I give you for all of your hard work? And Jacob points at Rachel and says, how about her? And Laban's like, I don't know about that. We usually marry off the older one before the younger. She has an older sister named Leah. And uh, Jacob's like, okay, how about, how about I work for seven years and then you allow me to marry um, Rachel? Which back in those days, one commentator points out, it's like $240,000. It's four times the price of the wives back then. Um, God never condones any of this, all right? This is horrible. But Laban agrees. And uh, Jacob is so in love with Rachel, it says that those seven years just pass by in like a day. And so the day finally comes, seven years are up, and this is what the Bible says. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. Now that's crass. That's not very romantic, is it? In fact, commentators a lot have long discussions about this, And uh, in fact, uh, uh, normal Middle Eastern authors would not include that R-rated detail in the the story. But it's included in the Bible to point out that Jacob is obsessed with Rachel. He has this overwhelming sexual and romantic obsession with her, but it's not really love. Um, It's the way that he's dealing with um, his failures in the past, right? He looked for that blessing from his dad. It didn't work out. He looked for that blessing by distinguishing himself from his brother. That didn't work out. And so then he's, he's obsessed with, he's thinking that this could be the ticket. But it's here that things take an ironic turn. Um, Laban, on their wedding night, he figures out, man, if I keep Jacob away from Rachel, he's just going to work for free for who knows how long. And so <laughs> he gets this crazy idea on the wedding night. He switches the sisters, he switches Leah with Rachel. And and Jacob apparently didn't notice he was drunk. He went to the the honeymoon, not sweet, like tent, I guess. And and so Laban calls, Rachel, i got to talk to you real quick. And Leah, go in. And so in the morning, the Bible says this. It says in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Behold, indeed. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, it's not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn, the older. So complete the marriage week with this one, and we'll give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. And what's crazy is if you read that text, um, Jacob doesn't protest. He doesn't say, Uncle Laban, (laughs) you can't just switch daughters on me. Like, this is nuts. He doesn't say a word. It's because it's something that Laban says stops him dead in his tracks, freaks him out. Maybe you caught it. Laban said, I don't know how you do it where you're from, but from where we're from, we give the older sibling the blessing before the younger. And Jacob thinks, maybe Laban knows what I did. Maybe word's gotten back that I schemed my father and he knows exactly how I, the younger one, got the blessing before the older one. I mean, what Laban did is really similar, right? It's two siblings switching right? It's dark. Isaac couldn't see. Jacob couldn't see. Jacob kisses Isaac. There's probably some kissing with Leah going on, right? And uh, so he's, he's been schemed by the same con he pulled off all those years ago. In fact, the word for deceive in verse 25, this is a Bible dork, but uh, why have you deceived me? It's why have you hi Jacobed me? Why have you jacobed me? So he doesn't protest and he agrees to work for another seven years And when seven years go by, Jacob eventually gets to marry Rachel, like the real Rachel. And all their dreams came true, right? No. Their marriage is less than perfect. And I don't mean this as a joke. I I have to preface this or you would laugh. But how many of you have really have idealized a relationship? Or if I could just date her, if I could just marry him. And then you get into it and it's like, oh, I should have adjusted my expectations, right? Romantic love isn't the be-all, end-all fulfillment that we think it is. Um, Leah is actually a baby machine. She can have tons of babies. Rachel can't have any. It's the craziest chapter. You should read chapter 30. Uh, so Rachel's like, well, if I can't have babies, me, my servant can. So Jacob, sleep with my servant. And Leah's like, you can do that? You can use servants? And so she's like, Jacob, sleep with my servant. And it gets to the point where Jacob comes home. All the ladies have like numbers like at a deli counter. And Jacob's like, ah, now serving number 12. Anyway, um, so there's lots of this fighting in between the wives and the wives' servant. And Jacob's caught in the middle. And it's here that Jacob's entered this season of just terminal stress. Um, He's burned his bridges with his family. Um, His marriage life is horrible. None of the things that he thought were going to bless him turned out that way. None of these blessings were as good as he thought. And so he turns to the only thing that he can for fulfillment. It's where a lot of men turn. He turns to his career and he turns to money. And I'm not going to go in as much detail in this portion. But again, he's crafty. So he schemes his way into a fortune. He schemes his way into being a pretty wealthy guy, but he does so at the expense of his employer, which is who? It's Laban. It's his father-in-law. And so eventually things get so bad between Laban and Jacob. Jacob thinks, man, if I stay here another day, that uncle's going to kill me. And so he gets all of his wives together, servants, all of his kids, packs up leaves in the middle of the night, back to that place where he had that dream in the middle of the wilderness. Laban finds out, he's like, you can't just take my daughters and my grandkids away from me. And so he starts chasing them, saying he's going to kill them when he catches up. And eventually, I mean, Jacob's learning the lesson that there's only so much money can do for you. You You can have all the money in the world, but it can't keep you safe, right? Some of you have experienced that. You got a big old bank account, and then that doctor report came back, or that health scare, and money can't do anything about that. And money can't make people like you. Um, In fact, it's usually the opposite. How How many times have there been divisions or fights in a family over money? Lots of them, right? More money, more problems. And so his attempt to find satisfaction or blessing in money, that falls through. So he's on strike three. Well, eventually Laban catches up. There's this intense conversation and uh, Jacob talks him off the ledge. He, um, he's, he, Laban agrees that he won't kill him, but it's in that moment that a servant comes up to him and says, hey, you'll never guess who's over the horizon. And Jacob's like, who? And he's like, Esau. Like Esau, like the dude that said, next time I see you, I'm gonna kill you, Esau. And he's like, that, that Esau. And he's coming with 400 armed men. And that brings us to his lowest moment. The moment we open this whole sermon up with. All of his past failures and mistakes have caught up to him. And after all those years of searching for a blessing, it's just led him here, where he's alone, he's empty-handed, he's dissatisfied, he's discontent, and he's afraid for his life. And it's here that Jacob turns to a place he never had before. He turns to God. And that's like us too, right? Sometimes we have to be laying on our back before we'll look up for the first time. And so Jacob, for the first time in his life, the Bible says he prays. But it's a pretty safe prayer. He prays to the God of my father, Isaac, and the God of my grandfather, Abraham, still not his personal God. And the prayers like ones that we've probably made in the, in the past, God. I really messed up, but if you help me get through this, if you spare my life when I meet with, with uh, Esau, then I'm going to be the best person you've ever seen. I'm going to give you 10%. I'm going to be on my best behavior. If you get me through this, I'll pay you back and then I can get back on the search for blessing, the search for satisfaction and contentment. But God has watched Jacob hurt himself and hurt others too much. And so for the first time, God intervenes, and he meets with Jacob face to face. And it's a crazy story. It says this, verse 22, um, chapter 32 um, in Genesis. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives and his 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. And after taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. And this left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. This is what we call a theophany. You know, God shows up in a pillar of fire and a cloud and shows up in a burning bush. Well, this time he showed up like a professional wrestler, I guess. But it's, this is the presence of God. And when the, the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's your name, the man asked. Same question that Isaac asked him all those years ago. He replied, Jacob. He's being honest. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel. This is where we get the term the Israelites because they all come from Jacob. Um, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? It's like, you know who I am. The man replied, then he blessed Jacob there. And Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. And the sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. There's so much in here. But when God shows up to meet with Jacob, he wrestles. Why in the world does God choose to wrestle Jacob? Well, it's because Jacob has been wrestling his whole life. He was wrestling and struggling against Esau as they were born. He was wrestling with his brother to to, um, gain dominance. He was wrestling with his father for the blessing and for for love and for acceptance. He wrestled with Laban um, for a wife. He wrestled with Laban to get rich. He's been wrestling and struggling his whole life. And God just decides to join him in that struggle. But something profound happens in this struggle with God. And it's right after that moment where it says God touched his hip and wounded him. In the Hebrew, it doesn't say that God struck him. It doesn't say that God hit him. It said he just, he just, just the very lightest, slightest touch. And Jacob was wounded. And it's in that moment that Jacob realizes this is not an ordinary person. He could destroy me and in my life right now. And yet he's choosing not to. This is someone powerful. This is someone eternal. And this is someone that seems to have my interest at heart. There seems to be some grace I'm encountering. This is unlike anything that I've come across in my entire life. And where at the beginning he was trying to escape God, he was trying to push God off of him, he was trying to push him away, which is what a lot of us have done, after that moment he starts to hold on to God. He starts to cling to God. You see, up until now, if Jacob had any thoughts about God, it was just to use him to try to get some other blessing. But in this moment, he realizes, no, no, no. God is the blessing. And he's willing to let go of everything else to hold on to him. See, Jacob realized the truth that'll change your life. God is the blessing that you've been searching for all along. And the reason you're so tired And the reason it seems like satisfaction and fulfillment just kind of keeps slipping through your fingers, the reason that that quest for a blessing just seems never-ending, you've tried money and you've tried uh, romance, you've tried sex, you've tried um, friendship, you've tried career, you've tried all this sort of stuff, it's because you've been chasing after cheap substitutes of the real thing. So you've been searching for someone who knows you like all of you. All your past mistakes all your failures, you've never told that to anyone. You've been looking for someone who knows that and still loves you, and that's only found in God. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You've been looking to to money or to possessions or to a career or to your physical health to to be your safe place, to keep you safe from the dangers of this world. But that's just an illusion. Only God can be that for you, right? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I feel? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You've been looking for significance. You've been looking for a life that really matters. And that can only be found in God. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, and for good to give you a future and a hope. You've been coming up empty-handed because you haven't gone to the source, to the place where any blessing can be found, of which everything else is but a shadow, you see? You see, once you you have that experience with God, once you come face-to-face with him, you will realize, oh, I can really only and truly be loved in God, be safe in God, be significant in God, be strong in God. God's the blessing that you've been searching for all along. And listen, the cool thing is, unlike all those things that you've been chasing after, you don't have to work so hard for this. It's a free gift. You don't have to work or strive or struggle or scheme or become someone you're not or impress or or wrestle it out of God's hand. He stands ready and willing to give it to anyone who, who asks. In fact, there's a beautiful picture of the grace of God in this story that you might not have seen. Remember when Jacob goes before Isaac impersonating his older brother? Well, the Bible says we have an older brother as well, and his name is Jesus. And 2000 years ago, when he came to earth, he took on our skin. He covered himself in our humanity. But he didn't just take on our bodies, although he did, he also took on our sin. He took on your sin and your sin and your sin and my sin. All of our unrighteous deeds and actions and thoughts and motivations, he took that all on himself as he hung on that cross. And when he went before the Father, the Father punished him. He paid the penalty that we deserved. But see, here's the cool thing. The resurrected Jesus, he has an offer to make. He wants to clothe you in his righteousness. I not want to give back any of that sin. He wants to, he wants to, to, to cover around you the robe of his righteousness, so that now when we go before the Father, even though we have a past, even though we're sinners, even though we're failures, God says, you know, I, I hear the voice of sinful, selfish chase, but I see the righteousness of Jesus. I see the 33 years of perfection in my oldest son. Here, let me give you the blessing that he deserves. See, we get the blessing, we get the life, we get what we've been searching for in and through Jesus. And that'll transform your life, just like it did with Jacob. From this moment where he encounters this with God, he's not fearful of any other people. He doesn't scheme him, doesn't manipulate him. In fact, he walks right up to Esau, and he's like, do your worst, man. It's in God's hands. And in this cool turn of event, Esau wasn't coming to kill him. He had forgiven him. Those 400 people were bearing gifts. He was here to welcome them back home. You see, Jacob didn't have to fear anyone because he didn't use them. He didn't manipulate them. He could just love them as they were his search, his quest, his scheming, his struggle, it was over. And you can have that too. You can, but there has to be an experience with God like Jacob had. It has to be this raw, real, intimate, life-changing experience. God cannot just be the God of my father and my grandfather in order to get this blessing. He has to become your God. You can't just be around religion or around the Bible or around church. There has to be this moment where you wrestle with God and you come to make this intentional decision. I'm done. I'm done looking for the blessing in all of these other places. I am willing to make you the Lord of my life. I want you to be my God. I'm laying down my plans. I'm laying down my dreams. I submit myself totally to you. I'm done with searching. I want to find it from you. And if you've never done that, whether you're watching online or at one of our campuses, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. So if we could bow our heads and close our eyes across all of our campuses, across online right now, if that's you and you just came in today or you're listening and you're just tired, you're just worn out and everything that the world promised has just been empty promises, all these things that you believed on never delivered on what they, they said they would and you've tried it your way for so long and you're, you're, you're ready to stop the search and you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life to follow hard after God. You just want your life to change. Would you pray something like this? Father, I am tired. And Father, I've realized that my ways don't lead to happiness and satisfaction. And so I'm looking to you. Father, I pray that you would forgive me of your sins, that you would, of my sins, that you would clothe me in the righteousness of your Son. Father, I want to drink deep from the living well. I want to taste contentment and satisfaction for the first time. Would you do this? In the name of your son, amen. If you've prayed that prayer across all campuses or even in this room right now, would you just do something brave for me? Every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just raise your hand? Would you just raise your hand and take a step of faith? That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're not alone. For those of you that raised your hand, I encourage you to tell someone about this. You can go to the Next Steps area online, Next Steps area at one of our campuses. Your host will explain it. But Father, thank you for the life transformation that just happened all across our city, across the world. May you be lifted up. Father, you are enough. You're the blessing we've been looking for. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.